Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Cranberry Radio presents CEO Coach, a show custom built to give you everything you need to build your business on the web. From funding the finances, set up the staffing, our CEO coaches will break down the art of business development from the ground up. Now here to get you started are the experts of online business startup management and development, the founders of Outlines Venture Group, Jillian Music and Ann Kennedy. Welcome to CEO Coach. I'm Ann Kennedy, president of Outlines Venture Group and author of Global Search Engine Marketing. I'm here with Jillian Music, my partner at Outlines and co-founder of both Moz and Brett Approved. Together, we are serial entrepreneurs helping online companies launch, go, pivot, and thrive. Find out more at outlinesventure.com. Hi, Jillian, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Ann. I'm excited for 2017. Aren't we all? But let's just stop for a minute and take a look back at 2016. And what we'd like to look at are a couple of interviews that we did that turned out to be quite popular with our listeners. Um, The first one was an interview we did with Josh Mayer, who wrote a book called Inside the Minds of Angel Investors. Isn't that where everybody would like to go? Yes, absolutely. He's written a couple of books about, um, you know, how to make uh, money and and so on called Startup Wealth. Uh, Really, he is a wealth of information. But I'd like to take a moment to note that it's been two years since you and I have been doing these shows regularly. And in a couple of months, it'll be seven years uh, since we were doing them, you know, all told. So pretty exciting. It's nice to take note of the benchmark. Yes, and I think we're coming up on our 250th episode, too. We'll uh, pop a cork of champagne when that when we get to that, too. So folks listening out there, there's plenty to download and there's plenty to keep you busy on the road. That's for sure. Okay, let's have a listen to some of the insights that Josh Mayer um, shared with us. Today, we're talking with Sarah Bird, CEO of Moz. Jillian, I think you know Sarah very, very well. Yeah, so full disclosure, uh, I'm a co-founder at Moz, and uh, Sarah is now the CEO over there. So it's a delight to speak with you this morning, Sarah. Welcome. 
Thank you. Thank you. It's wonderful. It's wonderful to be here, Jillian, and to spend this time with you. Okay. So for our listeners who don't necessarily know our collective background, uh, tell them all about uh, what you do at Moz, your role there, how you came to be there, uh, how you got to the, be the CEO, whatever it is. Just just give us a little background. Yeah, I've been the CEO of Moz for about a year and a half now, but my journey uh, actually began in end of 2007. I came on board when you and Rand were still very much involved every day in leading the company, and I came on as a general counsel role from a small law firm and then um, just proceeded to have so much fun learning about technology and about marketing and about entrepreneurship and feel really fortunate to have the opportunity to um, to do so many different kinds of things that I don't think any other company would have let me do. And I took full advantage of that and just threw myself into any project that needed doing. So as within, I recall, yeah. as I recall, you wrote, uh, what was it, Legal Mondays, yep, right? I Quite, did. Yeah, a series of blog posts. How long did that go on? Gosh, I don't know, maybe a year or so. I, I'm thinking I, about the same. Yeah. I remember when we started, when I started there, you know, we knew there wasn't really enough full-time legal work, just legal work. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the plan was I would do this blogging as well on the side and write about advertising law and digital marketing. And then um, over time, like I said, I just, I feel like there was so much opportunity at an early company. If you're willing to learn new things, try stuff out and, you know, work hard and get your hands dirty, you can learn all kinds of new skills. So I, over time, got to you know run finance and HR, did wireframing. I was in product discussions. I was helping with pricing, meeting customers. And I, I just really feel grateful that I was exposed to so many different aspects of the business. And now, um, you know, so it was from general counsel to COO to president to CEO. And now as the CEO, I feel like I've been exposed to many different aspects of the business. I am not an expert at any of them at all. I would never claim to be. We, we hire really, really good, talented people to be experts in their respective fields. But I do, I just relish that opportunity I had to learn a little bit about each of these different kinds of disciplines so that now I can, you know, I can lead with more empathy and hopefully ask better questions since I've had at least some exposure Mm -hmm. to most aspects of the business. And I would say that that is one of the most uh, critical attributes or assets rather of a successful CEO that they do have, um, if you will, a modicum of experience in a large number of fields so that you can, again, and lead with empathy. Uh, hugely important. Okay, so give us an idea of where Moz is headed, just in the broadest brushstroke. Where are we going? Any new acquisitions? Uh, I know we've got Mozlandia now in Portland. Anything else that the world wants to know? Because you know the listeners really want to know. Yeah. You know, so Moz has, a, Moz has a great history of being a community first, right? That we started as a blog and a community of people that came together to really support each other and to help each other become better marketing professionals. And um, that will continue. And it has it has grown and we're continued to um, nurturing that community. And in fact, we we realized that by only having you know, our, our previous product strategy of having one kind of subscription where we throw in all these different kinds of features um, really wasn't working for everyone in the community. And that, in fact, our community is much more diverse than our product set, where we basically only had um, SEO Moz Pro for the longest time. And the reality is we have so many different kinds of people in the community, whether they're small businesses to enterprise, whether they're new to expert, whether they focus more on the social side or the content side or more on 
the very technical SEO pieces that um, the strategy for the future actually is to recognize and honor those differences in the community and really allow people to purchase Moz data and Moz products at either a price point that works for them or the right feature set. So you've already seen Moz diversifying its product offering by launching Moz Local uh, about a year ago. And in the future, you can expect to see um, more product launches that are separate products than the current Moz Pro we have today. And those products should be more focused to particular use cases, which we have heard from customers they really want, right? They want, maybe they, they focus mostly on social and they don't need the other pieces, or maybe they care mostly about technical SEO and on-page and crawl, but they don't care about local distributions or they don't care about content audits, that kind of thing. So in the future, you can see more products from Moz and hopefully find something for everybody in the community that will help them do their jobs better. Um, some other things in the future, you know, as an organization, um, we are we are committed to um, to growing, but growing smartly. Um, we have the wonderful opportunity to scale quickly without having to grow the team, um, you know, relative to other companies of our size. So to give you a sense of that scale, we did about $35 million, um, in revenue in the last 12 months, and um, we only have 155 people on the team today. So that's pretty impressive, pretty impressive scale. And uh, we will be expanding the team. We are hiring. We are looking for especially engineers to help us build these new product lines. Um, and we are also wait, hiring... So wait, wait, let me interrupt you right there and tell the engineers who are listening, where can they find those jobs listed? Oh, just go to Moz.com and you will, in our about page, and you will learn all about Moz and our core values, which I'll talk about in a minute, and the job openings we have and get a sense of what it's like to to work on the team and what we're all about. So I definitely encourage everyone to go there. Okay, another question everybody's going to have on their lips if they're very young is, are you taking in interns, especially for things like summer or winter internships? We do have interns. Um, we do have. We do. We use interns. We love interns. We are not yet as mature in our internship program as I was like. In other words, we don't have a what I would say a formal across the board intern program. What we have done is interns who reach out to us, um, you know, and they have relevant backgrounds. We have taken them in for the summer, and they do great projects for us. Real work. They're paid internships, um, and you know, several of them, most of them actually have turned into full employment when the student, it's usually a student, is done with school. Um, so yes, we have opportunities for interns, but we don't have a formal internship program yet. That is something mm-hmm. that maybe we'll look at next year. Okay, so you're hiring mostly engineers and um, and still scaling up. But um, this concept of scaling both quickly and growing smartly, mm-hmm. what makes the difference between scaling quickly and growing smartly? I know that there's a Venn diagram. One would hope you could do both. But what is that definition of scale, of growing smartly? Well, you know, it's going to be different for every business, but for for Moz, we've had a cultural, I think, a, a cultural value around um, providing, having a real business model. And for what real means, that sounds sort of derogatory, so apologize for that. But real for us means you exchange values with customers, right? You you actually have real revenue streams, and you're providing a real service. Um, and so for us, it's just a, a one a wonderful operational exercise to think and do the math on okay, for every new head we hire, you know, what's the ROI on that? And that has allowed us to run our business more cash conservatively than a lot of other startups, um, and allowed us to remain 
having a you know relatively low cash burn compared to other folks. Um, and so when the economic downturn happened, for example, we were still able to grow and we didn't go out of business. We had a great um, great growth during that period, but that's because the growth was smart growth, right? We didn't scale um, some of the organizational stuff ahead of where the market or the product was. So it makes you know, very good sense. So hang on, you said for every new head you hire, you ask what's the revenue value, and you actually, if you will, have your own algorithms that say for every new person we expect to make X number of dollars more. You can uh, tie that directly to revenue. Well, it depends on the he- on the hire how direct that is. So mm-hmm. for a customer success person whose job it is to help customers succeed and therefore improve retention, you can actually get pretty good math on that. Um, and so you can say, okay, if I hire this person today, two months from now, they're going to begin paying for themselves, right? And then in, in four months, they will pay for themselves completely and just adding money back to the, mm-hmm. to the bottom line. But um, for other heads, like if you're hiring um, an operational person, we have a wonderful team at Moz called Team Happy that helps, you know, make make sure we're fed and we have everything we need and they plan events for us. They're not direct revenue drivers. They serve many different people to make us more happy. So some roles are more of a leap of faith than others. Um, But we, again, we we always take a look at the math and say, okay, based on our current growth rate, what do we think we can handle and sustain so that we're not in an uncomfortable position? Okay, makes good sense. So uh, we're going to take just a few moments here uh, and take a break in a minute. As we wrap up this segment, what would be your wisdom, if you will, for a CEO at approximately your level in terms of how to look at um, what you would call, again, smart growth? What were the, the critical factors that say that's smart growth? Well, if you, the, very, the very first thing, the baseline is you have to have data on your business. And if you don't have data on your business, there's no way you can do the calculation. And so we have parts of our business that are very well orchestrated and we collect good data on and other parts of our business we're still very much working on. So the better quality data you have, the better the quality of your decision making will be on those um, on those metrics. Sounds really good to me. I agree. Data-driven businesses uh, succeed quickly, uh, more quickly, actually. They succeed more frequently, and they do so with more regularity than any other kind of business. And with that, we're going to take a break here at CEO Coach. When we come back, we're going to be talking about how it is that you are growing and scaling Moz. What does your management style look like? What does it include? And what wisdom can you share with other CEOs? This is Jillian Music with Ann Kennedy. We'll be right back at CEO Coach. I know that you have much more to tell us of the view from the top of the trees and maybe your top tips for other CEOs who want to adopt some of your practices. Yeah, I would, I would love to share some of my some of my learnings here. Um, I think one of the first ones is actually uh, a learning that I took from reading the hard thing about the hard thing about hard things, and I highly recommend that book to any to any entrepreneur. Um, and it was something that Ben said about how he thought of his role, and that is first you take care of the people, and then the profit. I'm sorry, and then the product, and then the profit in that order. So people, product, profit, and in that order, and like all the right things will happen. And I think that in a nutshell, that really symbolizes what we try to accomplish at Moz through tag fee, that, that tag fee becomes very human-centered, and it's how we want to relate to each other as people, and it's bringing your humanity into all of your business relationships. Um, 
And so that really resonates with me. And I think for, for different people, what that looks like will be different and that's okay. But I think as long as you realize that, you know, you're only as good as your team um, and that the team will take care of your product for you and then your product should take care of your product, like then, then the right things will happen for your business and you'll find more meaning in your work, which is, which is really the true joy, right? You know, another, um, another key learning I think I've had, um, especially in talking with other CEOs, um, sometimes people say it feels very lonely at the top and I haven't, I haven't had that experience. I don't feel lonely. And I, I realize it's because of the amount of energy I put into soliciting and soliciting and generally listening to feedback and ideas from the people on my team. I, when you have transparency around what the problems are and you share the challenges and you invite people to contribute and own those, suddenly you don't feel like this, this burden of it's only me worrying about this and it's only me who can come up with the solutions. I mean, at Moz, I, it's very much everyone's company and it is everyone's problem to work on and there's no secrets and no shame. There is only hard work and accountability and then hopefully also joy and meaning and creating something amazing with people you care about. So I, I think that my second piece there is basically it's only as lonely as you make it. Um, and then, you know, finally, uh, a theme for my whole life um, is continual learning uh, and no, d- never to underestimate the amount of time it, you need to invest in yourself and in managing your, your emotions and learning new skills and being inspired by other people and inspired by other kinds of businesses. I spend an incredible amount of my time learning from others and trying to trying to grow and really working on my stuff. And I try to model that with other people around me so that they know that that is expected, that when you're, when you're at Moz, you are going to be a continual learner. And, um, you know, that implies some, that implies some humility, that implies um, optimism and aspiration. And those are the kinds of people I really, really enjoy working with. So... Those are sort of my three things. They are absolutely wonderful and um, and much deeper than just the few words that you gave them. I think that's wonderful. If somebody here is a CEO reaching approximately the same stage of business that you are, so we're not asking all people who are downloading this show to uh, to go call, but if they want to reach you, what's the best way? Um, they should definitely pop me an email. My email address is on the moz.com site um, under our team page. You can find my profile there. So they're welcome to drop me a line. The more specific the question, the easier it will be for me to be helpful. And um, you know, just offering something, I know we're almost out of time, but offering something else, um, I have found you know peer groups of other CEOs and leaders to be incredibly value, valuable. And one of the most valuable things I did is I've joined a group called Vistage about four years ago, and it brings together CEOs for a full day each month. And we have a speaker in the morning who teaches us a new skill, and then we support each other in the afternoon through helping each other work through problems and resolving issues. And that has been an incredible growth mechanism for me. So there are many different kinds of organizations like that. It's, you don't have to do the Vistage way. There's like Pathwise or CEO. There's all kinds of things. And I would, I would strongly encourage um, anyone to seek out a group like that in their area to have that continual and very personal um, coach and support uh, in their in their own leadership journey. So they're welcome to email me as well. 
And I would highly recommend a, a more steady, you know, in-person um, peer group. Absolutely, yeah. These would be very targeted and tactical questions around developing some of the systems that you've been placed oh, yeah. at Moz OS. Yeah. So thank you so much, Sarah. This has been incredibly informative and an absolute delight to hear you as well. More on how to get your business on the web with CEO Coach after this. Do you have cold, hard cash burning a hole in your pocket? Let Cranberry Radio lighten your load. Just hand us that burdensome dinero, and we'll get you set up with your very own radio show. We produce, edit, and amplify the show. All you have to do is show up. It's time for you to make an impact. We're glad to help. Just hand over the cash. Space is limited. So contact us now at sales at cranberry.fm. Is your website hacked? Is your website displaying error messages or loading slowly? Even if there are no signs of malicious activity, your site may still be compromised. Websites, like cars, require regular maintenance to perform at their best and not leave you stranded. At Fjorge, our website maintenance experts can help you assess which one of our maintenance plans will best support your needs. Visit FjordDigital.com or call 612-877-3840 and get the support and protection your website and business deserve. That's F-J-O-R-G-E Digital.com. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, So Social, the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your Facebook contests and sweepstakes. Create a fun, easy-to-win contest by writing a simple Facebook post. Watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction. Track your traffic and generate email lists with ease. So Social is mobile-friendly and complies with Facebook terms of service. Let So Social give your Facebook page some flash today. Zoom over to zosocial.com. Pick out some new favorite podcasts now at cranberry.fm. We're back with Jillian Music and Ann Kennedy on CEO Coach, only on Cranberry Radio. Welcome to CEO Coach. I'm Ann Kennedy, and today my business partner, Jillian Music, is off, I don't know, tending to uh, other really important company businesses. So I'm going to be doing an interview today with Josh Mayer, who wrote Startup Wealth. Welcome, Josh. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. We, I am so excited to have you. What I wanted to talk about your book, which is subtitled How the Best Angel Investors Make Money in Startups. We have you know, a lot of startup CEOs who listen to this show, and I think that you really had some good things, some good learnings from them. I mean, I'm thinking that how the angel investors make money in startups is something of keen interest to startup CEOs, right? Absolutely. Without knowing how the investors want to make money, it's tough to position a company trying to raise money from investors when speaking to them. It's true. So let's talk a little bit about the investors. I was really struck by the breadth and experience of the people you interviewed. I think there are roughly two dozen in the book. Is that right? Yeah. And, and that's just a portion of the 
investors that I interviewed. So I, I interviewed about 50 investors, including investors in the U.S. and quite a few other countries around the world. But the handful that are in here, there's really only about 23 investors that are in the book. And not all of them are angels. Some of them are represent a micro VC, a micro venture fund under $50 million. There are a few investors in here who are venture capitalists by trade, but they're really investing at those same you know, seed stage companies. For example, Dave McClure of 500 Startups, you know, he's frequently writing checks alongside a handful of angel investors. So understanding you know, how he views the companies he invests in is, is important for those first few rounds of financing. Yeah, some of your investors I found were not quite as high profile as Dave McClure of 500 Startups. How did you choose them? Yeah, you know, I uh, talked to a lot of people and I spent a whole year, I spent all of 2014 really interviewing investors. And, you know, I didn't really have a, a model for, for who would be included in the book. All I had was some prerequisites to the kinds of people I was trying to connect with and interview. And the kinds of people I was trying to interview were, were people who've been investing for more than a decade, in preferably, you know, two or three decades. And so they have that kind of hindsight view of, of what has been working and, you know, have kind of matured and grown as an investor and can really articulate some of those lessons that they learned. And, and they would have some interesting stories to tell along the way. So I interviewed a whole bunch of those. And then it turned out that they started to sound, some of them started to sound just like the other ones who I'd interviewed. So I kind of started seeing a trend where I'd interview one investor and everything they talked about in terms of approach to investing what they look for in entrepreneurs, what they look for in a pitch deck, how they wanted to support and, and work with the entrepreneurs long term, started to sound like some of the other ones. And so the 23 that are in here really represent kind of the spectrum of you know all of the different archetypes of investors who are out there. There's some people who fit each one of these personalities or profiles or archetypes of investors you know to a T, but for every investor I've talked to, and I've interviewed more than the 50 since then, kind of as a to double check my work, uh, you know, they all still fit into these profiles. So I'm tempted to ask, what are you going to do with the other three dozen interviews? Is there another book coming out? Oh, I started to put them online. The first one, Samil Shah, is up today on startupwealth.com. And I'm working with the other interviewees a little more casually on the schedule than I, I was with the book, to be honest. But all of the profiles are going to make their way online. So they'll be available for everyone to read. Yeah, I know full well a book schedule can be pretty intense, you know, those deadlines that the publishers expect. And that can kind of make a point where you have to say, OK, we're stopping here. But there's always so much more to talk about. So I noticed in your book that you divided up your investors into groups. You had a momentum investors, value investors and alternative investors. Why did you find it important to segment them that way? You know, it's interesting. One of the investors who I spoke with, a guy by the name of Christopher Mirabal, he and I had an interesting conversation really around this kind of general categories that people tend to fall into. And, you know, at the time when we had this conversation, Christopher actually suggested to me that, that I not write a book with interviews of angel investors, but instead write a book about this who these different people were and how they fell into these different broad categories. And so while I was going through the interviews and, and looking for where the story in the, the book really was, 
uh, you know, that it struck me that it it was very obvious and, and an easy split between the investors who are, you know, really focused on metrics. You know, they want to look at hard numbers to validate assumptions around markets and price elasticity and, and margin and all of those other factors. And then there are investors who you know, they don't really want to look at any of that stuff. You know, they're really focused on, you know, kind of the, the vision of where the future is going and, you know, the ability for someone to really capture a meaningful product within a market that's growing like that. And, you know, those two different types of investors you know, generally don't agree with each other. You know, they'll generally tell you very different types of advice. They'll tell you no for different reasons or they'll tell you no for opposite reasons. You know, one investor will say they won't, don't want to invest because there isn't enough data. And the other investor will say that they don't want to invest because the market's not big enough, even though the data that you have may show the market is big enough. So it can be confusing for an entrepreneur raising capital from these kind of different types of people. And so emphasizing just that, that there's a, an easy kind of categorical split uh, between the value oriented, metrics oriented investors and the momentum or visionary oriented investors. And then the alternative investors are, are really taking an approach that's, you know, not not falling on one or the other side of, of that equation. And so they're looking at things like impact investing. So, you know, having some kind of a triple bottom line or they're not looking to do you know any value add whatsoever. You know, they're purely looking to generate a, an index or they're you know, investing only in, in really late stage, you know, secondaries like pre-IPO markets, that kind of stuff. And so those alternative investors are are really a different animal than, you know, some of the investors who are in the kind of momentum or, or value categories. We need to take a couple of minutes for our sponsors. So we'll be right back with Josh Mayer of Startup Wealth. More on how to get your business on the web with CEO Coach after this. Are you paying too much for your paid advertising or have you quit altogether because it seemed like a huge waste of money? Studies show that companies waste 25% of their PPC spend on average. The web marketing experts at WMETraining.com can show you how to make your AdWords account a lean, mean converting machine. Whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level, we have a class for you. Contact the web marketing experts at WMETraining.com. Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white-label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. Do you have cold, hard cash burning a hole in your pocket? Let Cranberry Radio lighten your load. Just hand us that burdensome dinero and we'll get you set up with your very own radio show. We produce, edit, and amplify the show. All you have to do is show up. It's time for you to make an impact. We're glad to help. Just hand over the cash. Space is limited. So contact us now at sales at cranberry.fm.
synergize your search engine education from 101 to rock star level only on Cranberry Radio. Cranberry.fm. We're back with Jillian Music and Ann Kennedy on CEO Coach, only on Cranberry Radio. Welcome back to CEO Coach. This is Ann Kennedy, and today I'm talking with Josh Mayer, whose book, Startup Wealth, How the Best Angel Investors Make Money in Startups, is available now. Josh, before we get into our last few tips from you for our CEO entrepreneurs out there, it seems to me that it is absolutely critical for a a startup entrepreneur to be able to determine which kind of investor is the best fit for their company. Is that true? Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) The easy thing for entrepreneurs to to kind of start thinking about is where are they in the life cycle of their business? You know, are they able to, you know, articulate in enough detail data around the assumptions they're making about their business model, about the market they're going into, about the customers they're working with. And and if they don't have enough, you know, really any data whatsoever, you're trying to get an investor who wants to see and look at that data is going to be really, really tough. So generally, the earlier the investor or, or the lead investor in a you know, seed or series A type of a company are generally in that, that visionary side of the spectrum. Or, or at least they're more so in that visionary or momentum side of the spectrum. You know, so they have an understanding of the market that a company is in. You know, they have deep connections either with capital who invest in that market or customers who are, are frequent buyers in that market or they've built something in that space themselves. And so really finding that, that kind of deep uh, company fit you know, is something that the earlier investor into a company needs to be. And then, you know, as the gain momentum with investors and start to form some of that data that you can give to to an investor to really analyze and look at the business, you know, the easier it is to pull in some of those more metrics driven folks. Now, if you start out and you have, you know, some great data around everything that you're doing, there's certainly no reason that you can't skip straight to a more metrics oriented investor. Uh, But it's harder. That makes all kinds of sense, certainly, to find the right matchup. But Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't really see investors walking around with name tags saying, hello, I'm a momentum investor, or hello, I need data. How do you identify the investors once you've identified where you are in your company? Probably the hardest of all of the parts. You know, investors are the least transparent people out there. (laughs) You know, for people who want to find the uh, best companies to invest in, they, they sure make it you know, as hard as they can on entrepreneurs to figure out if they're a good match for them or not. And most investors are, you know, are, are not very transparent about that sort of thing because they, you know, some have a fear of missing out on an interesting opportunity. Some haven't thought through, you know, really what their approach is, what they, you know, like to do. And so the things to start looking at to identify investors are, you know, what things have they been investing in in the past? Quite a bit of that information is available. Uh, it's not available for everyone through, you know, publicly available sites like Crunchbase or, uh, you know, Mattermark has a, a fairly, relatively cheap entrepreneur subscription. So there's places to start to figure out what people have been investing in and at what stage. So you can get a sense for if someone has a background in airplanes, for example, 
and they've invested in nothing that has to do with CAD or, you know, engineering, you know, maybe they're not really investing in, in something that they know very well and they're looking at, you know, more of the metrics around the businesses that they're investing in. So that would be a clue to what that investor's, you know, profile is. The other ways to start to tell it is you can get a sense for how investors are thinking about the business just by the way they respond to you know, in, interactions and, and questions and engagement. Probably tough to, to articulate all of it in one com- or one interview here, but the things that they're saying when they start pushing back around data or they start pushing back around you know, how big a market really is, it's a clear sign that they don't already have an understanding or a vision for that market or where that market's going. And so you can pick up quickly that they're not going to be a visionary investor for you. They're going to be more of a metrics-driven investor for you. Well, Josh, thank you so much. I think that this inside look at what goes on in the heads of uh, angel and startup investors is is of great interest. Your book is available. You have links at startupwealth.com. I want to thank you so much for coming and sharing your information and tell all our listeners, go get Josh's book. It's really, really interesting and it will help you along the way. Josh, thanks a lot. Thank you. That's it for this Monday at CEO Coach during this lovely holiday season. We'd like to thank our producers at Cranberry Radio for their support. You can download these shows at cranberry.fm forward slash shows forward slash CEO dash coach. You can find us at iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and many other places around the web. And you can find uh, find links and more to the things we discuss on facebook.com forward slash CEO Coach Podcast. We'd like to take a moment to wish entrepreneurs around the world a very happy holiday season and a prosperous new year. The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and their guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cranberry News Marketing and Cranberry.fm. Rebroadcasts or retransmission of this content without proper consent is prohibited. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotion promotional offer not available in washington dc at parker our purpose is simple We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose.
Parker, engineering your success.